I, uh, you know, I, I've, I've probably taken 40 plus mission, uh, short term missions trips in different nations. And many times I've told my staff team this several times that I would prepare, prepare, you know, for weeks and weeks and then get there to whatever nation we're in. And I'm not kidding. You stand up and suddenly what you were going to say is not what you say. <laughs> you say something else. Last weekend with the men, I had prepared and had all these handouts ready to give out. And the Lord said, do something different. And this morning, I was standing here worshiping and I felt the nudge of the Spirit of God. I want you to do something different because we're in a pivotal day. The choices you make today are going to carry you into whatever future you have. Our nation's in deep trouble, and that's, I almost started praying this out in our prayer meeting. We have an 8 o'clock prayer meeting. You're invited to come. And I almost prayed this out in our prayer meeting, but uh, I didn't. But I've been praying since I've been at my seat, and as we're worshiping the Lord, I mentioned one of our board members or something. I just feel uh, uh, something inside me. Um, our nation, how many know our nation's in real danger? Uh, we have failure looming in, on many fronts. There's a financial failure that I don't know why the mainstream, if you get your news from the mainstream, you're going to get deceived. Not get, you are deceived. Because they're paid to say what they say and there's some things they stay away from. They have to obey their bosses, their owners. How many understand the idea? You know, it's not what it used to be, it's just different now. And, um, you know, if that offends you, it probably needs to offend you. I, I don't know how to say it any other way. It's a strange day, but there are things happening financially. Um, and, uh, and the nations of the world are turning against the United States. Did you know that? And it is as though judgment is at our heels. I don't like that. I'm a son of the soil here. I was born in America, raised in America. I'm just a good old southern boy from South Carolina. And I love this nation, but our nation's in deep trouble, and we need to realize that. And if we never talk about it, then we're stupid. Because the people of God are to lead the charge. And the people of God are the ones that are to lead the change. And God has called us to make a difference one person at a time. And that difference starts with me. And how many know that difference starts with you? We're being overrun by sin. We're being overrun by things that should not happen. There are, there are entities worldwide connected with the spirit of Antichrist the Bible talks about in the book of 1 John. It's two places it calls, talks about the, the Antichrist spirit. It's already here. How many hear me? And that is a global uh, ideology that has nothing to do with God, nothing to do with holiness, nothing to do with purity, nothing to do with, uh, with sexual purity. It has everything to do with looseness. It has everything to do with lawlessness. It has everything to do with self-aggrandizement or putting yourself first and putting everybody else last. It has everything to do with anarchy, decay, decline, and obedience to a given norm. How many hear me? And that is, uh, that is coming really, really strong. I had a, you know, I preached on the whole book. So, Father, minister life. I just started, Lord, minister life through this and help us. I preached uh, the whole book of Revelation verse by verse. It took me a couple of years on Wednesday night. It's on, the, it's on our website. Um, but while I was preaching that, I kept saying uh, that I have a belief system that there may be some nations that don't, don't come under the tutelage of the one world uh, global system, and I was hoping that our nation would be one of those nations that comes under the aura of that global, um, uh, global economy, global system of governance, and global belief system, and all that. Uh, but let me, can I be real? It looks like our leaders have forsaken us. It feels like those that are, are controlling the reins are trying to move us away. Uh, from the Judeo-Christian ethic that made America what it is today. There are a lot of people that have shed their blood, and there's a lot of people that have uh, cried tears, buckets of tears for this nation. You know, I've got a book called The Light and the Glory, and it talks about our forefathers coming over on the Mayflower, the Mayflower Compact. Then it talks about the settlers that came originally. The reasons they came were for religious freedom, religious purposes. All that's masked in teaching history today. How many hear me? God's had his hand on this nation so it could be a light to the nations. And for many years, we were the main propagators of the gospel all over the world, uh, sent more missionaries out than, than any nation in the world. We still send missionaries out. We still do a lot. 
But our nation, my friend, has, has uh, taken a terrible turn. Gosh, in the last just five or six years, it's, it's ridiculous. And now here we are now, we're, we're teaching our children it's okay to talk about sexual things when they're four or five years old. That should never be done. You know, Jesus said something about people that had those ideologies. He said it would better, be better for that person if uh, a millstone was hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. He hasn't changed his mind. And yesterday I was walking and praying. I was thinking of Sodom and Gomorrah, and God sent angels to Lot and his family and told them that judgment has been set for Sodom and Gomorrah because they were involved in some very, some very heinous sins. And let me just say the sins that America is becoming involved in, if we allow it, if we allow it, if we allow it, are, are in some ways worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. If God judged Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and brimstone, um, probably a meteorite coming from the sky and pummeling that whole area, and there's, that's where the lowest place on earth is today. The Dead Sea is right there. And it's dead because they gave up life. We have life, and we're giving up the life that God has given us for something else if we allow it. We had an outreach uh, at NC State on Thursday. I appreciate those that went and... and uh, you know, our students here uh, in America, uh, high school, elementary, middle school, high school, college, uh, they're, they're being taught doctrines of devils. If you don't like that, you know, you need to hear what I'm saying. Yes or no? And it's training and it's grooming. Now, that's a big word. It's grooming another generation to be something that you've never been. And it's time for us to wake up. Did you hear what I'm saying? Uh, it, no longer should the majority be silent. If we're, not, if we're a silent majority, we lose. And how many are praying for a great awakening? All right, so it's time to pray for a great awakening in our nation. Not just pray, but share Jesus with the people closest to you. How many hear me? That is, ask God for opportunities to share your faith with people because... Uh, uh, is this, we, we used to be a Christian nation, we aren't now. How many hear me? So uh, that's on my heart. What is on my heart today is a couple of things. Um, uh, just what God wants to do in the life of a believer is on my heart, but then back up from that a little bit, what God wants to do in our nation is on my heart. So let me we'll talk about that first, then we'll go to the individual. But all of that wraps around repentance. Repentance is the order of the day. How many hear me? Now again, I had planned to preach a nice sermon on... Um, on the Passover feast. In fact, it, the notes are online if you want to look at that. <laughs> but I got to go here. Y'all okay with me? So I'm on the mission field today, and I'm just uh, sharing from my heart. Here's where we are. Uh, look at the macro. Here's where the world is right now. Jesus said it very clearly. Um, his disciples came to him on the Mount of Olives and said, uh, What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? I got my hard copy Bible here. Whew, if you get the hard copy Bible out, something's going on. Here we are. And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines. And that's often the results of war. Hmm. Pestilences. Well, we've already seen that partially. Earthquakes in various places. And these are just the beginning of sorrows. And then they'll deliver you, believers, up to tribulation, kill you. You'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Many will be offended, betray one another, hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up, deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many <coughs> will grow cold. And then I'm going to skip right down. Then you've got the revelation of the Antichrist desecrating a rebuilt Jewish temple, which all that's in for, and it's ready to happen. I mean, any time. A rustic, rebuilt temple, perhaps. Uh, and he desecrates that. I'm skipping down to verse 21. For there shall be great tribulation. Everybody say great tribulation. Hmm. And that uh, word for tribulation simply means pressure. And I've mentioned this a number of times, several weeks ago, I taught on repentance, but here we are again teaching on it again. That word pressure is the idea of a man laying down on the ground and somebody taking a big boulder that's really, really, really heavy. You can hardly, you can hardly move it. 
and placing that boulder on that man's chest and letting it go. And to breathe, he's got he's to work strenuous effort to be able to breathe. That's thlipsis, that's pressure, and that's what Jesus said would happen before he came back. For there will be great pressure, tribulation, thlipsis, hardship, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, uh, nor shall ever be. I, I was walk, walking yesterday. I usually take long walks on Saturday. I think I walked uh, three and a half miles, and I was praying. This kept coming to me. Th- this verse right here kept coming to me. There shall be great tribulation, such as has not been uh, since the world began. And so we're uh, right on the heels of all of this, and the uh, sister chapter to Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, a sister chapter that at that very end of the Bible is uh, what John, God showed the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos, Revelation chapter 6, uh, Revelation three, 2 and 3, Jesus had messages for seven churches in modern-day Turkey, Revelation 4 and 5. You've got the, the throne of God uh, surrounded by beautiful colors, the rainbow of colors, and it's a pure, perfect rainbow. How many hear me? Let's take the rainbow back. What do you say? And then there was emerald colors around the throne of God, and then the angels crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And you got all these creatures with awls all the way, all the way around their head that look quite spooky, and they're worshiping and praising God, and the holiness of God is there. Revelation 5, God's got a scroll in his right hand, and that scroll is his title deed to the earth, and that scroll has seven seals on the outside of it, and it can't be opened until the seals are let loose. And once the scroll is opened, then the contents of the scroll comes to pass, which is the rest of the book of Revelation and it contains judgments called trumpet judgments where trumpets blow, seven trumpets blow and then seven laver or bowl judgments that wash the earth clean and sanitize it from sin, evil, rebellion and all of its effects from the dark kingdom and so the, uh, the, the uh, scroll is filled with God taking back the earth. That scroll is filled with the very last, last time that Satan, the Antichrist, the false prophet, try to lead the earth in this one world global governments, governance, but they are defeated by the armies, by, by Jesus and the armies of heaven. Is that good news? And then there's in Revelation, you see all that's in the scroll. And then Revelation 20, there is... Uh, you know, there's the great white throne judgment where all the unbelievers of all ages will stand in Revelation 20, verse 11. And uh, because they trusted their works, and this is where Americans are today. Americans, 88, heard me say this, the stats are 88% of Americans believe they're not going to hell. I may be preaching on hell next Sunday. Get ready. For Easter, Jesus delivered you from hell. Yes or no? If you trust your own works, God will judge you by your works. So most people, and I thought this as a good little Baptist boy, I thought I was good enough to go to heaven. If I had, if my good days outweighed my bad days, I get to go to heaven one day. Now see, if you trust your works, that is, you're pretty good, you're not as bad as, don't, don't, don't one thing, one problem is if you, if you compare yourself with the person next to you, you're in trouble. Huh? We compare ourselves to Jesus. And because we never measure up, we need His grace. Yes or no? But if you, you think you, you're giving, you're being nice, being sweet, helping people, you know, cutting the grass, giving them some food, doing some stuff, that's not enough to get you into heaven. The only thing that brings us to heaven is repentance and faith in Jesus. Period. But, you know, Revelation 20, verse 11, here's people, a whole slew of them, they die without Christ. They think they're saved, but they're not. And what you do shows who you are. Matthew 7 is real clear. Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father in heaven. So some people incorrectly um, uh, interpret that as, well, my works aren't going to get me from heaven, and my lack of works are not going to keep me from heaven. Wrong. No, your works don't take you to heaven, but your faith in Jesus will. And if your faith in Jesus doesn't change what you do because it changes who you are inside and the appetites that you have, you ain't saved from sin. Yes or no? We need to hear that in America again. We've got a really sloppy gospel. And that sloppy gospel has taken us to where we are today. We're right on the verge of losing our freedoms to me for me to get up here and say what I say. 
Did you hear me? Uh, and we're in the, on the verge of losing lots of things. Nonetheless, on that scroll is all of that. And then Revelation 21, there's the new heavens and new earth. Hip, hip, hooray. Revelation 21 is, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, new Jerusalem comes down from God out of heaven. It's a, a cube city, 1,500 miles wide, long, deep, amazing. Uh, uh, you know, sits, looks like in midair between heaven and earth. You get to live there one day. Hello. And then Revelation 22, you see heaven, and you see, the, and, and you, and you see God the Father, and you see heaven and earth, and you, you, you see the, the, the um, river coming out of the throne of God. And Jesus made a startling statement there. He says, let him that is filthy be filthy still. Let him that's a liar continue to be a liar. Let him that's a pervert continue to be a pervert. Let him who is righteous be righteous still. Listen to this. Jesus will let you be what you want to be. If you want to sin, Jesus will let you. How many hear me? If you want to be a pervert, Jesus will let you. If you want to be an adulterer, Jesus will let you. If you want to be a liar and a cheat and a thief, Jesus will let you. If you want to abuse children, Jesus will let you. Because he will not transgress your will. Your will is, 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 is uh, owned by you. Demon spirits force you to do what you don't want to do. They fo- force you to want to go where you don't want to go. And they force you to try to be what God never wanted you to be. How many hear me? So anything that pushes us and forces us is never God. How many hear me? Hmm. No, the Holy Spirit woos, he draws, he urges and see, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, that's what they do. They never force. God never forces. Never. I often use this illustration. If uh, Jesus was standing at your door, and let's say you had the door open a little bit, maybe five, six inches, and he's on the other side, did you know he wouldn't touch that door? You know, Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door. Did you know he wouldn't move that door? He would wait on you to open the door and say, would you like to come in? Because that's what he said, right? If any man will, I'll come into him and have fellowship with him and he with me. See, that's the way God is. I don't know who you are. Somebody's listening to me today. You feel like because judgment hasn't fallen on your life, you've got permission to do what you're doing. You don't have permission. No, you've given yourself permission. To disobey God and live a sleazy life. I'm sorry to say that on Sunday morning, but that's I'm some somebody, God's dealing with you to stop what you're doing and you're not listening. And every day that your heart beats and you have health uh, 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 into the future, you feel like, well, God must be saying it's okay. Things must have changed. What those what some churches teach must be right. It must be okay. Grace must have become greasy grace. So I can do what I want to do. And then one day hear, well, your sins are forgiven because of the blood. You won't hear that. You'll see the flame. That's strong, strong. How many hear me? We're in trouble in America today, y'all. We're in trouble because of our churches have failed to preach the word the way they need to preach it. How many hear me? I don't have any notes for this. I'm going to tell you later where I'm going. That scroll in God's right hand, again, it contains the title deed for planet Earth. How many know Jesus is coming back? Adam, when he sinned, the first man and woman. How many believe in the biblical narrative of creation? Raise your hand. If you don't, you didn't come from a slimy amoeba crawling out of the sea. You came from the hand of God, and God breathed into your nostrils the breath of life. When Adam and Eve sinned, they gave God's title deed for this planet away. They gave the title deed away. Satan became little G, the God of this age, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the prince of this world, John 14, 30, the ruler of this world, 2 Corinthians 2, 6, and uh, he has a legal right to be here because Adam and Eve transgressed God's word and God's will and God's ways, and they let a usurper in. They forfeited God's, their right to God's best, and the earth became a fallen place. It became a terrible place. The earth is blotted with sin and rebellion. Even the the soil is cursed. 
It's cursed. And see, Jesus is coming back one day to reclaim what he first of all created. He created us in his likeness, and he wants us to walk with him. And he claims us by giving us his son so his son could be the atonement for our sins. And so we could be born again and have a relationship with God again. Yes or no? We'll talk about that next Sunday. But then uh, he also, Jesus also came to free us from the curse. And Jesus also came so that this whole world would one day uh, be, be reunited with its creator, God our Heavenly Father. You say, well, isn't God overseeing everything? In a macro way, yeah, but for a period of time, Eusephus uh, on the loose. Satan's on the loose. He's got a legal right to be here. How many hear me? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't blame God for your problems. Don't blame God for the accidents that have marred people that you love. Don't blame God for the sicknesses and illnesses that take people for their time. That's the acts of the God of this age, not the, not the God of my heavenly Father. How many hear me? Those are just simple truths. A stroll in God's right hand says that God owns the earth. And when Jesus comes back, his second coming is all about him regaining and retaining what he originally created and bringing it back to that pristine place it was before Adam and Eve nodded to the Satan. How many hear me? A scroll in God's right hand has seven seals on it. And, uh, you know, we're, we're right here, y'all. I mean, if I've ever seen anything, and these seven seals that are on the scroll, once they're broken, that scroll opens up, and then the, the wrath of God comes. How many know the wrath is a bad thing? Wrath is anger displayed. Wrath is judgment against sin uh, when it comes from God. Uh, wrath was poured out, for instance, on Sodom and Gomorrah. Wrath was poured out. Now, we could go over and over in the Bible of times the wrath of God came. The good news is the wrath of God came on Jesus the Son so that you could be free. Are you glad? Jesus incurred wrath for us, and that's good news. Most people see God as a benevolent father who just, you know, kind of a Santa Claus in the sky. He just kind of winks at you. Yeah, I know what you like. I know what you've been doing. You're going to be all right. You're going to be with me one day. Not unless you know Jesus by repenting of your sin. Revelation 6 uh, actually is a parallel chapter to Revelation, uh, Matthew 24. Mark 13 and, and Luke 24, where Jesus talked about what it would be like before he comes back. These, these verses parallel, these breaking, the breaking of the seals on that scroll you see in Revelation 5 on God's right hand. The breaking of that seal, the breaking of those seals means it's getting closer to the time of wrath. Once that, once that scroll opens up, did you know the wrath of God falls on planet earth? Did you know the Bible teaches that um, a lot of people, billions of people are going to die because the wrath of God is finally being displayed. It won't happen to, at, to, at the beginning. Well, it, it will happen towards the end, just before Jesus returns. And it looks like Revelation 8 and 9, making a lot of summarizations today. It looks like Revelation 8 and 9 meteorites impact planet Earth and just change the entire environment. Did you hear me? There have been those that have written books about meteorites that are right now um, poised to hit our planet in several years. Have you read those books? Well, I won't even talk about them today. That's another day. Revelation 6, I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked and behold a white horse and he sat on it, had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. That is the Antichrist and there's war and conflict. When he opened the second seal, uh, I heard the living creature saying, come and see. And, and another horse, fiery red, went out and was granted to, uh, it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, that people should kill one another. And there was uh, granted a great sword. So there's war and people fighting each other. And then uh, verse 5, the third seal, when, they op when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked and beheld a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hands. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a Daenerys and three quarters of barley for a Daenerys, and that's a day's wage, and do not harm uh, the oil and the wine, then the fourth seal. How many know that's happening right now? That's really weird. Uh, you haven't seen the escalation of prices that are coming. Are you do you realize the dollar's being devalued today? Did you know that there's coming a day? I won't even get into this just a little tiny bit. Did you know there's coming a day that many of the nations of the world are going to drop the dollar as the trading, as the trading currency? 
uh, to be able to buy goods and services from other countries and other nations. You know that's already happening? Did you know that's already happening? Did you know that there's a day set that perhaps is over 100 nations in one day will drop the dollar? Do you know what that's going to do to our economy? It's going to tank our economy, and what cost you $5 today may cause you, cost you $50 the next day. Did you hear me? So that right there, that right there is real. That right there is real. Wow. Uh, let's see, fourth seal was opened, verse 7. I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse, pale green. And the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades followed him. Power was given to him over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. And then the fifth seal was opened in verse 9. I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God, for the testimony which they held. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And then a white robe was given them. And it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer uh, until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who had been killed uh, were completed. Then the sixth seal, so six of the seven seals are broken. Then I looked. Uh, when he had opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, the moon became like blood, stars of heaven fell to the earth, as a fig tree drops its late figs when it's shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it's rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place, and the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man, hid themselves in the caves and the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, follow us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great is the day of his wrath it's common who's able to stand and then that seventh seal in in revelation 8 there's 30 minutes of silence and nobody says anything the angels fold their rings everybody just looks and then all of the prayers of the ages y'all read this lately all of the prayers of the ages for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done, for the purposes of God to be fulfilled. They waft up before, before God and he sees them and he smells them and he sees the unjustness of the ages. And then these angels have trumpets. In Revelation 8, with the first blowing of the first trumpet, that last seal is open. Once that seal is open, click of trumpet blows, and there's, there's seven trumpets. When those trumpets blow, the wrath of God comes on this planet. First few years when those seals are breaking, that's not the wrath of God, but once the trumpets blow, that's wrath. That's God's wrath. What I think about is the people I know, the family members I know that don't know, don't know Jesus, they'll, they'll experience that wrath. Uh, people you work with may experience that wrath. Um, your family members, your brothers, your sisters, your father, your mothers, your aunts, your uncles, your cousins, your nephews, your neighbors, they don't know Jesus. They're going to experience some really hellish things. The Bible seems to indicate, wow, about half, half the people on the planet will die because of the mess. Did you hear me? Hip, hip, hooray. That's so exciting, Pastor Mitch. When are you going to tell me something nice? I'm just trying to give you a warning that these things are coming and nobody... Who's talking about this? Huh? Are we supposed to come to local church and all we hear is good news? Hip, hip, hooray. You're okay. God loves you. God bless you. Live any way you don't want to live. You're going to heaven. That is bull whatever. And we need to cut it out. I'm a little raw today, and I don't mean to be this way, but something came on me while we were praying. Y'all, it's a day for repentance. How many hear me? Is this making sense yet? I don't have any notes for this. I'm just talking. Can I just talk? And today, here's our nation. Everything I said just before I started this, whatever this is, it's It's terrible. I can't believe we're facing the things we're facing. The six people were killed in a Christian school in Nashville. And now they don't, want, they don't want to be honest about what the person that killed them was involved in. Have you noticed? Something's hijacked. The narrative, public narrative of our country. And something's hijacked the Constitution that we used to live by and the Bill of Rights that gave us protection and freedom. We don't have that anymore. 
Did you know that? There's something really, really awry in the U.S. of A. And what I feel is that judgment is at the heels. Can I just, can I talk a little while? There is a prophet from India. His name is Sadhu. Everybody say Sadhu. Sadhu Kaur. I've been listening to him. I found him. You know, I ride a bike on the Noose River Trail and I walk for exercise. So when I'm riding my bike in long distance, 30 miles, 25 miles, 35 miles, whatever. And I usually try to listen to something. So many times uh, I would listen to uh, Sudar because, uh, again, he's from India. And uh, he, he dresses a little strange. He's got this orange robe he wears. It's a little strange. He's got a, you know, he looks a little odd. He doesn't look like an American is what I'm trying to say. But I've searched this guy out. He's, uh, you know, he believes the Bible. He believes the word. He preaches the word. But he's a prophet. And he has seen the judgment coming on our nation. He's got several videos. He's come to America a number of times, some other churches. But uh, everything he said like four or five years ago is happening right now. One time, uh, he had a prophetic experience, for instance, and went to heaven. Uh, this is off the cuff. This is not extra Bible. The Bible talks about these kinds of things. Did angels appear to people in the Bible? Did an angel appear to Philip and set him free from prison? Did an angel appear to Mary and tell her that she was going to have a baby? Did an angel appear to Joseph in a dream and tell him he, that Mary's okay, marry her, she didn't have sex with a man? Yeah, right? So I could go on and on. Is it right for angels to appear? Oh, of course it is. So he did. He said their, their judgment, here's one thing he said, and it's happening to us right now, and it's just really bothering me. I just got to bear my heart. He said there are five angels that have been loosed. They're judgments, angels of judgment against this nation. Judgment has been meted out on our nation. And uh, one, one, controlled, one controlled wind, one controlled water, one controlled um, earthquakes, one controlled fire and one controlled hurricanes. Did you know all that's happening right now? In a terrible way. All these people, this disastrous thing that took place uh, in Kentucky, in Little Rock, Arkansas, several other places, these huge storms. Every time that, and what's happening in California? Is that nuts? I mean, these are unprecedented things. Why are these coming? God's trying to wake the populace of America up. Does God send judgments only as a last resort? How many hear what I just said? Only as a last resort. And it looks as though the last resort is here. And so what's on my heart today? Now can I get to what I was going to talk about? <laughs> I hadn't even got there yet. It won't take long. What's on my heart is we need to be repenting. First of all, individually. Secondly, for this nation. How many hear me? Daniel was an older man in Daniel chapter 9, and he lived most all of his life in Babylonian captivity. The Babylonians hijacked Jerusalem. They uh, sieged that city for many years, and then 586 B.C. Uh, breached the walls of Jerusalem, and Babylon destroyed Jerusalem, took it, took it over, tore the walls down, uh, took the people captive took all of the uh, ornaments and things that were in the Jewish temple. I mean, just destroyed the whole thing. It's a terrible, terrible thing. Daniel was uh, living during that time. And Daniel lived in Babylonian captivity. He began to cry out for his people. And he was an older man, probably in his 80s, by the time Daniel 9 came. And I kept thinking this morning about uh, Daniel and the need to pray. And right now, everything I just read, I just read everything about the scenario prior to Jesus coming because we're going into that. How many hear what I just said? So if you're living your life, that Kesara, uh, Sarah, whatever will be, will be, and just the uh, same old, same old, everything's going to continue as it was from the beginning, and not a whole lot's going to change. You're going to see some tremendous changes in the probably not too distant future. You can't put a timeline on these things, but how many know change is coming? And you can be sure of that. So Second uh, Peter 3, and I've talked about this on my podcast. I've talked about this in the services any number of times here. There is what uh, psychologists call a normalcy bias. Everybody say normalcy bias. A normalcy bias is Second Peter 3. Where is the promise of his coming? For all things continue as they were from the beginning. Just, so, so who says Jesus is coming back? He hasn't come back yet. 
And so everything's just going to keep on keeping on like it's been keeping on. And everything's okay. That's normalcy bias. Let me just tell you that I have a really strong normalcy bias. And it causes, see, that's good and bad. It causes me, I can do the same thing for a long, long period of time. If you got a job like mine, pastoring a church like this, you got to be able to do the same thing over and over and over and not get tired of it. Now, that's normalcy bias helps me do that. The bad part of normalcy bias is when things start changing, you don't change easily. So 2020 came, uh, COVID came, uh, my normalcy bias took quite a hit because that's not normal. And the world's not going back to normal. Uh, now, my normalcy bias wants to live normal, see. And there's a lot of areas of life I do things just like I always have, and you will too, but I'm just saying you got to understand Jesus is coming back. And that for me, the things that I've heard since I was a child it looks like we could easily be the generation where it comes to pass. Having said that, God could all of a sudden put this whole thing on hold because he's not willing that any should perish but all should come to repentance, right? So see, that's the kind of mindset you got to have. But I'm telling you, things are changing rapidly, and I feel that changes are coming to our nation that aren't good. And I've been seeking to get people ready. Some people don't like when I share these kinds of things, but, you know, what do you do? Do you do, you, do, you do what people that don't want you to share do, want you to do, or do you obey God? So either the Holy Spirit's leading me to do this, or I'm going to be led by other people. So what am I going to do? I'm going to obey God. If you don't like it, I love you. Daniel was living in a day where judgment had already fallen and he was uh, praying for his beleaguered nation. And my mind keeps coming back to this. So repentance, let's talk. So he prayed a prayer of repentance. Everybody say repentance. Repentance means a, a change of heart. I mean, inside of you, this is so bad. I've got, I've got to be different. I can't do what I've been doing anymore. I'm done. Now that's repentance. Now that had emotion in it, right? It may not have a bit. It's just, you know what? I ain't doing that anymore. When my daddy beat my butt, one day he needed to, he needed to I call it whoop. You know what that is, right? We need some whooping today. The rod of knowledge to the seat of learning, right? Well, I put some books in my seat of learning. Put my britches up over the books. He commenced to uh, applying the uh, rod of correction, and I started. <laughs> and he pulled out the books. And let me just put it this way I repented. I'm not doing that again, ever. You get it? So repentance is a change of heart that changes how you think. i got to talk to you all some. And how you live. How many hear me? That's repentance. And, and if it's, it's one thing to accept, well, I'm going to accept Jesus today. You know what accepting Jesus means? I'm going to go drink. I'm going to smoke me some pot. I'm going to have me some sex. I'm going to look at me some porn, and I'm going to lie and cheat on my job. But I made Jesus, Lord. <laughs> Praise God. That is not repenting. Huh? Repenting says, I'm done with that. I don't ever want to be involved in that again. And then your flesh says, remember me? Remember what we used to do together on Friday night? <laughs> remember when nobody's looking? Click, click. See, if you've repented, you say, I don't, I don't want that. How many hear me? Even if you fall into a trap and you go back, you say, I don't want that, forgive me, and you repent. How many hear me? Repentance is a very strong thing. And the repentance, uh, America needs a big, fat dose of repentance today. Did you hear me? The, uh, uh, and so here we are. Let me read this real quickly. I, I'll be done fairly soon. Y'all okay, really? All right. So here we are during the first uh, year of his reign. I, Daniel, this is uh, the reign of uh, Ahasuerus, who became king of the Babylonians, and he learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. It's coming to the end of that 70 years and they're about to get their country back again. So he turned, I turned to the Lord, pleaded with him in prayer. This is New Living Translation. 
And I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God. And this is how we need to repent for our nation, right? Oh, Lord, you are great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant, keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. But we have sinned. See, he owned the sins of his country and done wrong. We have rebelled against you, scorned your commands, regulations. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke on your authority to our kings, our princes, our ancestors, and all the people of the land. Uh, Lord, you are in the right, but as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us, including the people of Judah, Jerusalem, and all Israel scattered near and far, wherever you have driven us because of our disloyalty to you. Oh, Lord, we uh, and our kings, princes, ancestors are covered with shame because we've sinned against you. But the Lord our God is merciful, forgiving. Even though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the Lord our God, have not followed the instructions that he gave through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has disobeyed your instruction and turned away, refusing to listen to your voice. So now the solemn curses and judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured down on us because of our sin. You have kept your word and done to us, and our rule is exactly as you warned. Never has there been such a disaster as has happened in Jerusalem. Every curse written against us in the law of Moses has come true. You can read about those in Deuteronomy 28, 15 through 65. Um, you have refused to, uh, yet we have refused to seek mercy from the Lord our God by turning from our sin, recognizing the truth. Therefore, the Lord has brought upon us the disaster he prepared. The Lord our God was right to do all these things, for we did not obey him. O Lord our God, you brought lasting honor to your name by rescuing your people from Egypt in a great display of power. But we have sinned and are full of wickedness in view of all your faithful mercies, Lord. Please turn your furious anger away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. All the neighboring nations mock Jerusalem and your people because of our sins and the sins of our ancestors. Oh God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead for your own sake, Lord. Smile again on your desolate sanctuary. See what he was doing? He was owning the sins of his people. Oh my God, lean down, listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, Lies in ruins. We make this plea, not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. But because of your mercy. But because of your mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen. Act. For your own sake, don't delay. Oh my God, for your people, the city that bears your name. The church is responsible for the sins of our nation. I've heard that for years, but you know, it's really true now that I'm a pastor. and I've been in ministry since 1981. As goes the church, so goes the people. So as goes the church, so goes the nation. 100% true. Them old bad, them old bad people. Them old bad people that, that disobeying God. Well, guess who didn't preach the word so them old bad people would hear the word and repent? That would be us. We've got to own it. And until we own it, it doesn't get any better. We've had... I've shared all these things so many times. We have had two great awakenings. One, before we became a nation in 1776, in the 1700s. Um, and then there was another great awakening, right? right uh, it started actually just a little bit before the Civil War and then it went on past the Civil War. That was the second great awakening. And here we are now. I just can't describe what I feel inside. I don't know how to say it. We're in a bad place, y'all. And what bothers me the most is nobody's talking about it. Huh? I don't want, I, I, I don't want those things to happen. I, I want God to do something amazing. You know, Susan and I have four children. All of our children are in their 30s. All are married. We have eight grandchildren and one on the way. They will not experience life as we've known it unless things change. It feels like we're less than, I want to say a generation, according to who you talk to, anywhere between 40 and 80 years. We have just a few years. I don't even know if we have a few years right now. Did you hear me? And life as you know it could come to an Sudden and abrupt change. It would change. And your children won't enjoy the freedoms you have. How many hear me? Now, see, so for a young person, a young person wants to have hope that they can live free, be free, think what they want to think, 
say what they want to say, honor God, love God, serve God. Things are changing because Jesus is coming back. So don't let your normalcy bias fool you. Get prepared for the second phase of this journey. Did you hear me? The first thing we repair, the first way we repair is by repenting. Saying God, and, and you repent by saying, God, I, me, my, and mine, I'm living wrong. Point all your little fingers back at you. Don't point them at others, point them at you. I'm speaking in South Carolina-ism. Chew. You. I'm doing it to make a point. I'm picking, sort of. It's time to come clean about sin, y'all. Did you hear me? If you're lukewarm, it's time to not be lukewarm anymore. Jesus said to the lukewarm Laodicean church in Revelation 3, I, I just, you know, when I look at you, you know, I just wanted to go to the bathroom and vomit. How would you like for your friend to tell you, you know, every time I see you, I just want to vomit? What if you're dating a girl or a boy and say, you know, every time I look at you, I just want to vomit? That's supposed to be the person you're in love with. Jesus is making a pretty strong point. Don't have one foot in your culture living in defiance of God and another foot in the kingdom of God because it makes his stomach really queasy. He said, repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. How many hear me? So if you're in the room and you're living a, you say, well, I'm not real bad, but you know, I got some stuff I do. Well, have you repented? Now, could you say this? I'm hot for God. I'm all in. I'm all in. Or are you one of those people who say, well, you know, I love Jesus. I mean, my name's written in heaven. I'm going to heaven. But, you know, I'm going to enjoy this life right now. Well, God wants you to enjoy life, but he wants you to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, too. Yes or no? So, y'all, it's time to clean up our act. And it's time to ask God to forgive and cleanse our nation. The second part of this, look at the time it is. Everybody okay? I could talk for a long, I could just talk. I got till who said that? He said, I've got till 12. I won't, I won't do that to you. See, God gave us bladders to, to make sure nobody goes too long, right? You got Are we okay with this? I haven't done this in a long time, but I feel the Spirit of God. Just listen. So here's what you need to know about the Lord. He loves you to pieces. But it's time to walk with God and seek first the kingdom of God. So that's awesome. I've said some pretty tough things. So let's, let's, let's work on this other side of it. Now, here's what you need to know about the Lord. When you're honest with God, he gets really clear with you. He gets really honest. And let me tell you something about what I've learned about my Father God. He is the sweetest, uh, most benevolent, most understanding, the kindest, the most loving. And the most merciful person I've ever met in my life. Do you hear me? And what you need to know about God, you may think you stink. You may think that you're nothing. And you may feel like you're not worthy of his love. But if he could just put one finger on your life in a moment. He can make you as though you never had a past. He can make the relationship you have with him as though you'd never done anything wrong. And when you go to talk to him, you don't have to say, oh God, I'm such a worm. You say, Father, in Jesus' name, I come. He doesn't remember your past. He doesn't remember your failures. How many hear me? He just loves you where you are. Now, that's my Father God. And that's what Jesus provided for us. See, repentance produces righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. And righteousness, can I just walk out here? Is that all right with the camera, y'all? Okay. 
Righteousness is an ability to stand before God. Just as though sin and inferiority had never been. Just as though you'd never done wrong. And what it makes me think about now that I have grandchildren. After this service, watch. Two of our grandkids go here. (laughs) When they see me, Poppy! They just lunge at me. And Susan, Gigi. Susan's Gigi. See, that makes me think about what God does. When you repent of sin and say, Jesus, come and be my all in all, and you get it, give it everything you got, it's just as though you'd never done wrong. You become two things. Everybody say justified. justified. Now, back in 1977 was my thir- first theology um, courses in the first Bible school I went to. And, you know, of course, you've heard this, but the teacher in the class, just like they would any theology student or if you have a study, they would say justification is simple to remember. Just as if I'd never sinned. Justification is the legal side of redemption. Where, and we'll talk about it next week where Jesus, Jesus was judged in your place. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He made him who, who knew no sin to be a sin sacrifice for us. According to what translation you read, that you might be, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. When Jesus cried out on the cross, "My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me?" He became the Lamb of sacrifice. I was going to talk about today, and on Him was placed our sin. And on the Day of Atonement uh, in Israel, the high priest would have two goats. One he kill him. And then take his blood and put it on the, in the Holy of Holies on the, on the top lid of the Ark of the Covenant called the Mercy Seat. Man, he had another goat, though. You know what he did with that goat? That was the scapegoat. And he'd take his big old burly hands. He'd lay his hands on that goat. And I don't know how he said what he said. He said something to the effect, all of the sins of your people, Lord. I, as your representative priest, high priest, as the representative of man towards God, I lay my hands on this goat, and Lord, all of the sins that your people have committed for this, this year, this year to come, all of their words, all of their thoughts, all of their actions, all of their motives, all the nasty things that are about them, I transfer it to this goat. That was a scapegoat. And he'd take that goat and say, get out of here. He'd, he'd go down into the valley, never to be seen again. See, that goat's a type and shadow of Jesus taking our sin to an uninhabited place. Jesus took our sin to hell. And he stayed there until God was satisfied. Our sin debt was paid. Is that good news? And then that goat that was killed, well, that's Jesus, the Lamb of God, whose blood was, was shed to atone or cover our sins. Our, your sins are not just atoned for, they're cleansed. Old Testament folk, their sins were atoned. Your sins aren't atoned, they're cleansed. They're not just covered, they're cleansed. How many hear me? So here's what you need to know. You say, well, I'm struggling with my relationship with God. Well, number one, you need to repent. You get that? Like I did when my daddy whipped my honey because of what I did, you know. And I said, I'm not doing that anymore. See, that's repentant. If you have in mind, will God forgive me today? Well, I'm going to do that tomorrow if I get a chance. You haven't repented yet. You get it? You've got to give your life away. So, so, so when you repent, uh, you, get, you get this amazing forgiveness. You become justified by faith, right? So being justified by faith means somebody else took your sin penalty and you don't have to pay it. Your sin debt, as far as God's concerned, has already been paid. Somebody was the proxy for you. Jesus became what you were. He became every thought, every word, every action, every motive, every deed, every every malevolent thing you've ever thought, done, acted, said, right? He became it. And then you're justified. Like he never did it, right? But see, that's only one side. The next side of, of our being right with God is Jesus has made you righteous. If you go to the New Testament, just, justified, justified. 
justifier. All those words with just in them. And then the words, um, the word um, uh, right, righteous, righteousness. Did you all six of the just, justified, justifier? What is it? Just, justified, justified. And then right, righteous, righteous. And all six of those words, you know they come from the same root word? It's true. The same sacrifice that justifies you also makes you righteous. And righteous means the ability to stand before God. Uh, 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 I don't want to clap yet. The ability to stand before God as though sin, inferiority, had never been. Just like my little grandson coming to jump up on me in just a few minutes if I shut up. You get it? That's awesome, right? So, so that means every time you go to God, Father, I need to talk to you. So what is it, son? See? Hebrews 10, 17, their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. Isaiah 43, 25, I even I am he who blots out your transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember your sins. Isn't that awesome? Psalm 103, 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That's an incalculable distance, right? Micah 7, 19, he's cast our sins into the depths of the sea. And then the aged apostle John right towards the end of his life. He called the believers little children. Little children. <laughs> he said, he that says he has no sin deceives himself. The truth is not in him. But then he said, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is that good news? we say we have no sin, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And then 1 John 2, 1, these things I write to you that you don't sin. You can hear him, an old man. But if any man does sin, we have a lawyer, an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And then he says, and he is the atonement. King James says propitiation. I bet you don't know what that word means what does it mean to propitiate he is the propitiation propitiation other translations but he's the atonement it's kind of a watered down word for propitiation for our sins not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world uh, propitiation means this sin is rebellion and that sinful rebellion angers god and sin has to be judicially paid for or you can't get into heaven because God is so pure and holy. And so sin in and of itself, because it originated in the heart of Satan, in heaven before he fell, right? It angers God's righteousness, his justice. And because he's always the same, he has to be true to himself. He can't let a person into heaven that hasn't been propitiated. And propitiation means there's a sacrifice that has been given that has appeased the anger of God and he's no longer angry about what you did. A sacrifice has been presented. The blood has been shed. God's anger is appeased. Does that make sense? He is the propitiation or atonement for our sins. Not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Why am I talking about this? Because in the future, when the tough stuff comes, whatever it is, whatever box it's in, whatever kind of bow it's got on it, whatever it looks like, and whenever it manifests, the most important thing you'll be able to do in that day is go before your Father and say, Lord, I need, your, I need your help. And you need to know you have his ear. You know, the Lord spoke to us during our praise and worship time with different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. I actually have to go back and listen to it. But he mentioned the fact that we're, gonna be, we're, we're the people that are going to dwell in the shadow of his wing, the secret place of the Most High. Is that right? So that regardless of what comes, if you'll trust God, you'll have food on your table. Huh? You'll have protection from the onslaught of whatever it is that hits Huh? Mm -hmm. 
in the evil day, having done all to stand, you'll be able to stand. But see, one reason you'll be able to do that is because you know your Father. And you can go right into Him and you don't have to beg and you don't have to, you know, try to court His favor. You have His favor because of what Jesus did. So I want you to lift your hands with me right now. All of us in the room. <laughs> you know, this is Todah, right? Remember? Thank you already. Maybe you're here and you need to make, maybe you're one of those lukewarm people. Come on, get real. Maybe you make Jesus' stomach queasy. Yeah. Huh? Right now, present yourself before the Lord. See, the cool thing about God is He knows everybody and everything you're thinking all at the same time. And you don't even have to say it out loud to reveal your heart to the people around you. You can reveal it to Him and nobody else. So would you just right now pull your heart out and say, Lord, here I am. If you're the person right now that needs to repent, repent. In fact, you know, I li- actually, I live a lifestyle of repentance. I repent most every day, anything in my life, Lord. Listen to me, I'm ready. So, Lord, here we are before your throne. Listen to all your people talking to you. Every person, Lord, that needs to come a step closer, and they just need to repent. Lord, maybe there's a person here, and they're liking doing some things that you say don't do because they hurt you eventually in the end. They mar your family structure. They mar you. They hurt you. They hurt your mind. They hurt your body. They hurt your life. Yeah. Everybody just, would you, can you just pray with me out loud? You can make this your own, but, you know, I got a guy in Leeds. Let's do that. Pray with me out loud. Heavenly Father, I present myself to you. Here I am, just as I am, without one plea. So here I am. I ask you, help me with my life. I present myself to you. Any lukewarm areas of life, I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to cleanse me. And I ask you to free me from every desire to do anything that is not right in the name of Jesus. Anything about me that is dishonoring to you, I ask you to forgive me in the name of Jesus. I place my life in your hands and right now, I repent. Forgive me. In the name of Jesus. Now you talk to him a minute. Come on, just talk to him. There's some things you need to come clean about. For one person, it's pride. You're always putting yourself over other people, over-talking other people, almost narcissistic sometimes. Your opinion's got to be heard, got to be right. You got to have, no, you don't. Who said you had to have the last word? Shut up. That's sometimes what the Holy Spirit will say. Talk to him. Maybe anger. It may be silent treatment. That's anger turned inwards. See, it's controlling other people. See? See, he wants us to deal with those things. Maybe deception. Maybe lying. You're living a lie. See? He knows. You can't live a lie in front of God because he knows. You can't lie to God. You can't lie to him. He's ultimate honesty. Ultimate light. Yeah. So see, talk to him about you. Yeah. Maybe it's physical appetites. Maybe your hunger has the best of you. Yeah. Maybe it's just la- maybe just lazy. God's got to deal with you about laziness. Huh? Maybe it's addictive issues. You have an addictive personality. It could be drugs. It could be alcoholism. Wow. It could be food. Lusts, sexual sin, impurity. Ask God to help you. See, see, that's what you repent. See, see, Lord, this is me. If you just tell Him, you see, be honest with Him. <laughs> he has a lot of mercy, boatloads, boatloads, and He'll just help you. Ask Him for your help. Ask Him for His help right now. So, Lord, all of us, I do this. Help me. Help us to hear you and obey you. Lord, when we read your word, help us not to just put it aside. Help us to obey you. 
Obey your word. Obeying your word is obeying. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.